All right, well, let's get going this morning. So today, as we've mentioned a couple of times already, we are in the first week of Advent. And uh, as, uh, as was read over us, Advent is all about the coming of Jesus. It's a season of anticipation, a season of waiting, of, of longing for, for Jesus to come into this world. And, and he did that on Christmas, and that's the kind of first time he came. But it's also a longing for him to return again. And that's what we believe he will do. And so it's an anticipation of that return again in the future as well. And, and it kind of culminates on us celebrating his birth on Christmas. Do we have any, any big Christmas people in the room today? Anyone a Christmas fan? Awesome. You guys are the best. You're amazing. My wife affectionately in our household calls me either a Scrooge or a Grinch, depending on when the season is. I, I have a firm rule. This is just kind of who I am. And, and I, I lose this battle every single year. But Christmas is a one-month holiday from December 1st to January 1st. It is a one-month holiday, and I lose that battle every single year in my household, but that's okay. I, I love my wife, and her decorating makes her so much happier, and that's all that really matters. And so we're in, uh, we're in Christmas, and one of the things, even though, you know, I'm kind of a Christmas Scrooge, one of the things that I loved growing up was we would go every single year to my great-grandma's place, and we would have what was called the Foreman Family Christmas. And it was this Christmas where five, my grandma has five siblings, and all of their families, extended families, would come to that family gathering out in the kind of an hour outside of Saskatoon at the family kind of small town. And we would rent the town hall, and we would have all these games and all this fun stuff. And my great-grandma would cook lots of food with my grandma. And one of my favorite things about my great-grandma is every time we would go out to her place, she always had a puzzle on the go. Do we have any puzzling grandmas in the room today? You're awesome. Or just puzzling other people as well. <laughs> I shouldn't limit it to just grandmas. Oh, that's fair. She would have these puzzles on the go that were not nice puzzles. They were the puzzles that are like 500, 1,000, 2,000 pieces. Anyone know the puzzles that I'm talking about? And she would sit there for hours putting the pieces into the puzzle. And I would, so I would sit down with her and, and, and we would sit and do the puzzle. And it was fun to just try and find like five or six pieces because you only have so much time and they all look kind of the same. And it's, it's a little bit different than the puzzle I brought today. I brought my son's 24-piece uh, baby shark puzzle. Also a good puzzle. You can do it in one sitting. It's kind of nice. You just sit down and you just put the last couple pieces in and it's such a good feeling to just put the pieces into a puzzle. Do, do we have anyone in the room today who had in their family someone when you're doing a puzzle who would hide the last piece of the puzzle so they could be the one to put it in? You people need prayer. You need help, okay? But when you put that last piece into one of those massive puzzles, is that not the best feeling in the world? Isn't it amazing when you just put that last piece in? And I was informed in between the gatherings that you just have to run your hands over it. It's just like such a beautiful work of art. And it's, there's that sense of completeness, that sense of wholeness, that sense of peace that comes when you just have finished that puzzle. And I say this all as a, as a way to introduce our sermon series for the Advent season, which is going to be Peace or Pieces. And we'll come back to this idea of a puzzle in just a minute. And as we approach this Advent season, we're going to be talking for a few weeks around the topic of peace. 
What does the difference that Jesus coming to this earth make when it comes to peace in the world, in our lives? We're going to be looking at the topic of peace from the biblical worldview. Now, when I say the word peace, most of us can kind of come into it with different understandings, probably a similar understanding of peace. We would walk into it thinking peace is the absence of conflict, the absence of war. That's why when we talk about peace, we talk about peace treaties in the world. We talk about times of peace where there's not war. We even heard last week from this stage, one of our mission partners encouraging us to pray for peace for the Ukraine, a country that's in the middle of a war right now. And so when we walk into a topic like peace, often we think of peace through the lens of a lack of conflict or a lack of war. And so when we talk about the biblical idea of peace, it does carry with it a, a lack of conflict, but there's also so much more to it than that. There, there's more to it than just a lack of conflict in the world. The biblical word that is used for peace in the Old Testament is the word shalom. You can say it to someone sitting near you, say shalom. You're practically Jewish in the room today. It's great. And shalom carries it with it this idea of completeness or wholeness. In scripture, you could, there's an example where a rock is shalom because it is a rock without any defects or any faults. It is no cracks in it. You could say a wall that's not missing any bricks is shalom because it's, it's complete, it's whole. You could even say that my little baby shark puzzle here that's completed, and I, I want to show you, but I don't know how to lift it up without just dummy it. Oh, I'll try. Here we go. Nope. <laughs> it was shalom. Okay, we'll, we'll call it that. It was shalom. I dropped another one. There we go. Aren't illustrations great? The idea in the Old Testament and the New Testament is the idea that things are complete. Everything is where it should be. Everything is whole and as it's intended. The way that it's used also in scripture is it can refer to a person's well-being. When David, King David, before he's king, goes to visit his brothers who are in a war, he asks about their shalom. He asks, how are you? How's your well-being Are you good? And I love the way that Tim Mackey from the Bible Project kind of sums this up, this idea of shalom. He says, the core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. That's the idea of peace kind of in the, in the biblical worldview is that everything is complete and whole and where it should be. And that's why in the biblical understanding, the opposite of peace is the word anxiety. Now, I know that anxiety is a charged topic in our culture today, is it not? Anxiety is a word that carries with it weight, and there's a whole lot that kind of goes into talking around the topic of anxiety. And so let me just start off by saying, if you are in the room today and you suffer from an anxiety disorder, whether it's panic disorder or social anxiety or whatever it may be, we're glad that you're here today. It probably took a lot for you to just even be in this room today if you're live with us, and I just want to say thank you for being here. And with anxiety being a charged topic, let me make just a couple of statements up front. Let me make a couple of, uh, share a couple of ideas before we go further talking about peace and anxiety from a biblical worldview. The first one is this. Anxiety is more prevalent than we probably realize. 
the World Health Organization did a study in the, the first year of the pandemic, and they found that anxiety and depression went up across the globe by about 25%. Stats Canada just did a study in 2022 measuring the, 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 um, the difference between uh, mental health when it comes to anxiety from 2021 to 2022, and they found that it had gone up 6%, the amount of people who said that they experienced either moderate or severe anxiety on a regular basis. And the number is now 25%. One in four people, which means that in the room this size, at least on average, about one person sitting in your row is struggling with anxiety in some way, shape, or form in a moderate or severe way. Anxiety is prevalent around us. It is a major issue in our culture today, which leads me to the second thing that I want to say. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you have ever experienced from our church or another church feeling more hurt than you were helped by the church when it comes to anxiety. I'll be the first one to admit it. At times, I have not been a help to people who are anxious. My natural default is to jump to solutions and conclusions, and often what I actually need to do is to listen to that person, enter into their pain, and sit with them in it before we move forward. And sometimes as a church, we can miss that opportunity too. And I know I have missed that opportunity and I need to grow and be better in that. And so let me just say, if you've been hurt by a church when it comes to anxiety, we're sorry for that today. I'm sorry for that. And that leads to the last thing that I just want to say is kind of a, a statement up front about anxiety. There are different levels of anxiety. When I use the word anxiety, we all have different understandings what I mean by that. We can walk into this room today with different understandings of what anxiety is all about. And this is what I think, where I think Pastor Tim Keller is really helpful. He says this, by the way, this word anxious, he's talking about the New Testament word anxious, is not normal care and concern. If you love somebody, if you love something, if you love anything, you have the burden of loving concern that comes with that automatically. But this is a word that actually means to be torn up to be torn into pieces by debilitating worry and fear. The National uh, Men's, uh, Institute for Mental Health says this and just adds to it. Anxiety disorders involve more than temporary worry or fear. For people with an anxiety disorder, the anxiety does not go away and can get worse over time. The symptoms can interfere with daily activities such as job performance, schoolwork, and relationships. And so when I say the word anxiety, some people can have in mind just the general kind of worries and cares and concerns that they have for family members that are natural, all the way over to it being a disorder where it really does affect your well-being on a day-to-day -day basis, your relationships, your work, your school. And we can kind of carry all these different meanings into the word anxiety, which makes it tough to talk about. But the key idea that I want to show us from the biblical passage that Tim Keller gets to is that, and the reason why we're talking about puzzles today is when you have anxiety from a biblical worldview, it is like being a puzzle that is in a million pieces. It is like being shattered. There's a piece over here, a piece over there. And each piece is what we are worrying about or caring about and concerning ourselves with. So for instance, you might be so worried about the financial industry right now. You might say, what if the interest rates continue to rise? What if I default on my mortgage? You might be worried about a health diagnosis in your life or in your family. And you say, what if that 
that person doesn't make it. And it's tough to be at shalom when our minds and our hearts are in a million different places about all the things that we are worrying about. And so the idea from a biblical worldview is that is what anxiety is all about. Being in pieces everywhere, which hinders us from being at peace and at shalom. And so today, I want us to kind of talk about this topic of anxiety and peace and how these two things kind of interact with each other. The interesting thing about anxiety and peace is that it's not a static thing in our lives. I, I a minute ago, dropped a bunch of the pieces off this table, and one of my... Um, one of my favorite things for my son to do, he's just about two, he'll be two in February. When we do this puzzle together, one of his favorite things to do is to come by when the puzzle's all complete and to just smash pieces out of it. <laughs> I'll be like, doesn't that look great, Bo? And he just goes whack and three or four pieces are just gone and out of place. The reason that I share that is that's what life is like sometimes, isn't it? Life sometimes comes up, sideswipes us when we're not expecting it, and our shalom, our wholeness, our completeness, the, the, the puzzle being all together has a few pieces that pop out of place. And so the question is not whether or not that will happen to us in life. The question is, what do we do about that? And there's this, this hunger, this longing for all of us to find this place of peace, this place of shalom, where we, everything is together and everything is whole in our lives. And this is not a new longing. This is a longing that has been a part of humanity since the very beginning. In the Genesis story of creation, God creates the world at a place of shalom. Everything is in right relationship with him, with each other, with the world around us. And then by Genesis chapter 3, everything has gone off the rails and life becomes scattered and shattered and there is this longing from that place on to find that place of peace once again. And in the Old Testament, different characters were supposed to bring this kind of peace. The kings of Israel were supposed to bring shalom to their nation, but Time and time again, they fail at this. And so there's this longing, this hunger for someone or something to come to bring things back together and bring things back to peace. And so in Isaiah chapter 9, we see that Isaiah puts these words down. And he says this, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This portion of scripture is 500 years before Jesus comes onto the scene. And Jesus' birth, which is what we celebrate at Christmas, is the fulfillment of this prophecy. This prophecy of peace, the one who is to come as the prince of peace. And in his rule, there will be a peace that lasts forever. And so when Jesus is born, it says this in Luke chapter 2. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Now let's just pause for a second. Sometimes we give shepherds and people in scripture a hard time. 
What would you do if an angel of the Lord appeared at your work desk? You'd be terrified too. You'd be like, what is going on? Would you not? You're just doing your own thing. You're a shepherd in the field and all of a sudden, boom, angels. Come on. You're not, you're not tougher than these guys. I'm not tougher than these guys. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause you great joy for all the people. For today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. And it finishes by saying this. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Again, there will be peace on those whom his favor rests. This prophesied one who is going to bring peace 500 years earlier, this prince of peace has now come into this world. And it's what we celebrate every Christmas. And when Jesus walked to this earth, he not only backed this up, but he says this about himself in John chapter 16. I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Are you getting a sense of what Jesus' coming to this world was about? He was prophesied to bring peace. When he was born, it was said that he brought a peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when he walked this earth, he said, I have come so that you may have peace. He is called the Prince of Peace and he longs for each one of our lives to have shalom. That's what this is all about. Finding the peace of God. That's his hope for each one of us today, is to find peace. And the challenging thing for all of us, though, is that our peace can sometimes come and go like we talked about. Uh, We can feel at peace one moment, but then the next moment, we can feel kind of all out of sorts. And one of the reasons why I think that this is, is because we missed something that Jesus said in that passage of Scripture. Jesus, uh, I love what Dallas Willard said, Jesus is not only God, he is also the wisest person who ever walked this earth. Jesus has wisdom, and when he speaks about peace, he says something that is so counterintuitive and so against what we would expect him to say. Jesus says he came to give us peace, but let me, let me ask you this. Where does your mind go when you hear the word peace? My mind goes to a life without problems. <laughs> Anybody else? a life that's easy, smooth sailing. But that's not what Jesus said. In that passage, Jesus actually says something more powerful about peace, something so important, and it's this. In this world, you will have trouble. Are you encouraged yet? Jesus, I don't like that. I don't like that you said that. I want smooth sailing in my life. I want an easy life. But Jesus does something so powerful. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. And what I think he's doing in this moment is exposing a lie that many of us believe. Anxiety has been defined uh, this way by some people. Anxiety is a fear of a future pain. 
And anxiety can be completely valid. You could be in a relationship with someone and they could have hurt you in the past and so you worry and are concerned about being in that relationship with that person. Our, our fears of the future pain can be real and valid. But sometimes underneath them, there can be faulty thinking that actually fuels our anxiety instead of giving us the peace that God wants for us to have. And this faulty line of thinking goes a little bit like this. Life is about being happy We are happy by avoiding pain, and I can control the amount of pain I'm going to experience in life. If you were to ask the average person, what do you want out of life? They would say, I just want to be happy. That's what most of us even sometimes, whether we realize it or not, think. We just want to be happy. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But what can be underneath that is that we think that if we avoid pain, that is the goal to a happy and fulfilled and whole life. And I can control the amount of pain that I'm going to experience. I come across this belief so often in both myself and in other people that I talk to. We believe that if we can control our lives and just push out all the bad things, push out all the the negative energy, push out whatever you want to say, the difficulty, the the tough experiences, then we'll be at peace. We'll be at shalom. But Jesus is so smart in that he prepares us not for what our idealized version of life is, but for what life actually is like. In this world, you will have trouble. Again, not encouraging Jesus. Jesus. But what he does is so profound and it's so profound in regards to anxiety because he says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And what this teaches us about anxiety and it's so important. If you've tuned out, please tune back in just for this one moment. Peace is not about absence of something. Peace is about the presence of someone. We can think that peace is all about just the absence of conflict, the absence of pain, the absence of difficulties in our life. And the reality is peace is not about that. Peace is about the person of Jesus being at the center of our lives. That's not to say you won't have pieces of your puzzle pop out here and there. But Jesus longs for our lives to operate from a place of shalom first and foremost. That is what he desires for us. It is a peace that can overcome difficulties because Jesus has overcome difficulties. It is a peace that can overcome sin because Jesus is the one who did that for each one of us. Jesus says to all of us, I came to bring you shalom, a completeness, a wholeness in your life. And this is the peace that we have been longing for, the peace that we have been waiting for and hoping for in our lives and the peace that each one of us desires to find. And so today, as we kind of get to the conclusion of this morning's message, I want to encourage you with one thing. It's not super deep. It's probably not going to solve your anxiety problems in a moment, because I don't believe that for most of us it's a simple quick fix. I absolutely believe God can heal in a moment, and I've seen him do it, and I still believe he can. But there's also a day-by-day element to this that each one of us has to walk through. And so this week, as you're going into your week, one of the voices of anxiety that's often in my mind and in the minds of people that I meet with and talk with is the voice of what if. And what that can do is it can just put us again into a thousand pieces. Well, what if my child who's walked away from the Lord stays distant? 
what if I don't get that grade on that course that I'm looking for, that I need for university? What if I lose my home when we have to remortgage? What if that health diagnosis goes to its worst place? We can hear the voice of what if in our mind and it can tear us to pieces, filling us with anxiety, filling us with fear. And so when the voice of what if comes into our lives this week, I wanna encourage you just to do one simple thing. When the voice of what if comes into our lives this week, I wanna encourage you to use it as an avenue to turn to the Prince of Peace. Sometimes when we think about prayer, we can think that it needs to be cleaned up and it needs to only be in the good moments of our lives. But when we read the Bible and the book of prayer in the Bible, the Psalms, There are some gutty and real and raw and honest prayers that happen in there and they are encouragements to us that even in moments of anxiety, we can turn to God instead of staying in our own anxiety on our own. They are moments where we can say, God, I'm so worried about this. I don't know how I'm gonna pay my next bill. God, I don't know what I'm gonna do with this relationship where there's conflict. And so we take the moments of what if, where we are worrying, where we are concerned, where we are stuck in our own anxiety, and we use them instead to turn to the Prince of Peace. I don't know where all of you walk into this room with today with the anxieties on your heart. You might have some anxieties that are weighing on you heavily today. But my encouragement to you this week is take one what if and replace it with another. When you hear the voice of what if, I wanna encourage you to say, what if God actually wants me to have peace instead of anxiety in this moment? What if God is actually there and he cares and he wants me to know his peace right here? What if God really wants me to experience the shalom that he offers? Again, I'm not saying that this is an easy fix, but what I am saying is this. What David says in Psalm 94 is true. David, for the first half of Psalm 94, verses 1 to 18, is talking about all sorts of troubles and difficulties around him. And he said, when anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. I don't know what the anxieties are in your life or in your story. I don't know what the troubles are. For David, there was military trouble around him. There was relational trouble. There was all sorts of things. But he says this, when the anxiety was great within me, your consolation, God, brought me great joy. And that is the promise that I believe he has for each one of us today too. It's not going to get rid of all of our problems immediately necessarily, but God is there and he wants to bring consolation to your life. He wants to console you and bring comfort and peace to your story. How often, and maybe I'm the only one who's guilty of this, but how often do we turn to prayer as a last resort? Well, I've tried everything else, so I might as well try and pray now. I'm sure I'm the only one who's guilty. The invitation this week is when you hear that voice of anxiety racing in your mind and in your heart, when it comes to a lull for a moment, my encouragement is to turn to the Prince of Peace who wants to bring you consolation. Because he's there, he's real, and he longs for you to experience and to have shalom in your life. Because that's why he came to this world. To save us from our sins, yes, 
but to give us life complete, whole with him. Jesus is the Prince of Peace this Christmas season. And he wants to bring that peace to you. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, I know a topic like this can be challenging because it's a moment-by-moment struggle for some of us. And the way forward actually sometimes feels like a surrender. It feels like a defeat to turn to you in prayer. But I pray that, Lord, where we have been carrying burdens that we were not meant to carry, where we have been worrying about things that scatter us into many pieces, I pray that we would use those moments instead of feeling shame for being in that place, instead of feeling like a bad Christian for worrying and having anxiety, I pray that we would instead use those moments to turn back to you, to share what's on our heart, to share what's in our mind, to share what is worrying us and what we're afraid of with you because you long to bring us comfort and peace. And so this week, God, for my friends in this room and online who are watching, I pray that they would know the shalom of God, that they would know the presence of God, that peace is not about an absence of conflict or difficulty, but it is about your presence at the center. And so God, may we live this out this week, moment by moment, turning back to you, the one who is Prince of Peace. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for being with us today, church. And if you're new to faith or you want to find out more about this piece that I've been talking about this morning, we'd encourage you to text the word LIFE to 250-478-7113. And what that's going to do is get you in touch with one of our pastoral team. And we would love to, to journey with you as you start following Jesus. Uh, we love you, church, and have an amazing rest of your week. May you go in peace this week.